You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. According to the HHS Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, more than half of the almost 30 million admissions to United States community hospitals for conditions other than pregnancy, childbirth, and neonatal care begin in the hospital emergency department. Is the emergency department becoming more of a primary care center for patients? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Bill Maloney, chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Condell Medical Center and a partner at Infinity Healthcare. Today we are discussing current issues in emergency care. Welcome, Dr. Maloney. Thanks for having me back, Mark. Dr. Maloney, is the emergency department a place for emergencies, or are we seeing more and more primary care patients? Well, our volume has continued to grow, and I think that's a function of our 24-7 availability, and our society has become more 24-7. So especially in the evening time and nighttime, our volumes have grown. Uh, Typically, physician offices are not open during those times. But I think Primary care physicians have also realized that oftentimes a patient who they feel will need to be hospitalized is oftentimes better served by coming through the emergency department because of the ability that we have to expeditiously start a workup, initiate therapeutics, antibiotics, get diagnostic studies, etc. So I think in a way we're a victim as far as overcrowding of our own success and that we're available and, and comprehensive in what we can do. Well, what's the difference between an acute care center and a hospital emergency department? Well, acute care centers are typically for more minor conditions. There are typically radiological capabilities and point-of-care bedside testing, such as a rapid strep test or a urine dip, those types of tests, tests that are oftentimes available in a private physician office. Hospital emergency departments are certainly more technologically advanced with uh, advanced radiological imaging, uh, laboratory testing. Typically, of course, that's where our our specialist colleagues are uh, on the medical staff who can come in and help us reduce a fracture or evaluate a patient that might need to go go to the operating room for appendicitis, et cetera. Would you say that the emergency departments are the off-hours primary care physician's offices? Well, I I can say we certainly don't strive to be. We don't... um, look to ourselves as ever replacing the primary care physicians. We don't have the the benefit of having any continuity of care with the patients that we see for the most part, unless they're repeat visitors, but we certainly would discourage that. We would like our patients to get hooked up with a primary care physician, typically on staff at the hospital. Uh, Every emergency department I know tries to do that when they discharge patients who don't have a regular physician or try even patients who do have a regular physician, we try to encourage them to follow up with that physician. There's certainly no, no substitute for that. Again, I think patients uh, seek us out because of uh, convenience oftentimes and know that they will not need to make an appointment, and uh, for that reason, our volumes have grown. Well, what happens then to the true emergency patients if they are involved in a population that involves patients who are not emergencies? That's a very good question. Hopefully, with the triage processes that we have in place, the the procedures that we have set up to hopefully identify uh, the more significantly injured and ill patients first, that the true emergencies will never have to wait. Uh, certainly, that's the goal. Um, uh, we wouldn't want anybody uh, have to wait that that might affect their uh, their uh, medical care. 
there is a lot of talk in the media these days about emergency department overcrowding. I can tell you that from my perspective, and I don't have data to prove this, but from my perspective, it's not the patients who come in with sore throats and rashes and things like that that are clogging up our emergency departments. It typically is the fact that the patient population is growing older, uh, the acuity is higher, and hospitals are becoming overcrowded. And we typically have times of the day where we have a hard time getting our patients upstairs just because of the bed capacity being so high in many of our hospitals that those patients end up staying in the emergency department longer, and that's what overcrowds us. So it is a variety of things, but it's, I don't think it's just the the minor cases that we see. Do you think that this problem of the emergency department becoming more of a primary care center is going to continue to increase as years go by? Well, from what I hear, uh, more and more patients are becoming uninsured or underinsured, and that becomes a problem from the point of view of the access to the primary care physician. Patients, by the way, forget that I'm a private practitioner myself, and so when they come to see me, they're going to get a bill from me as well, and uh, unfortunately, typically is more than my uh, colleagues charge uh, in their offices, so they may not realize that they're going to come in and get a bill. You know, again, we never strive to, to replace the primary care physicians, but we are always there for those patients. Do you ever provide continuity of care? In other words, that you will follow up with a patient and tell them to come back to the emergency department in two to three days? The only time we would do that would be if we think that the patient might have a difficult time getting into a physician on staff, either the regular physician or a physician that we might refer them to due to the fact that it might be a weekend or a holiday, et cetera. And those would be for minor things such as a wound check or a suture removal. Typically, wound checks would be the most common thing. In general, we don't want patients to come back to the emergency department unless they're having an untoward outcome and getting worse, of course. And from a risk point of view, I would hope that they would call us or come back. We always try to refer them to a physician or get them into their primary care physician for follow-up. And also try to, a good emergency physician will try to have a, or good emergency medicine medical director will get a system in place so that the records are transmitted to the primary care physician or specialist so that they're aware that the patient was there and have an idea of what was done for them. If you have just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and with me today is Dr. Bill Maloney, chairman of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Condell Medical Center, and we have been discussing current issues in emergency care. Dr. Maloney, certainly there are times, probably in the middle of the night, when the emergency room is very quiet, but what happens in the middle of the night when, let's say, there's a car accident and six critically ill patients and two automobiles come into your emergency room all at once. How do you handle that? That's a very good question. Typically, the emergency physicians have a a phone tree and uh, the ability to call in their colleagues, who, of course, are not used to getting out of bed like their colleagues on the medical staff are, but uh, you know we do do it for those unusual circumstances. And then every hospital, um, by joint commission requirements, is uh, responsible for having a disaster plan in place where the capabilities of the emergency department staff that's on duty is overwhelmed by an influx of patients. And uh, that's, of course, a two-pronged policy whereby there's hospital staff resources that have to be mobilized as well as then the medical staff resources. And so typically um, the chairman of a particular department, if let's say that there was a bus accident, the Department of Surgery would be notified and uh, we would ask for a certain number of surgeons and orthopedic physicians and whatever other types of surgeons that we would need. Fortunately, those types of circumstances are rare, 
but they do occur, and you, you can never be too prepared. When you have a great deal of wounded, are the ambulances instructed to go to different hospitals, or can they actually bring all of those patients to one hospital? Again, a very good question. It, it's different in every geographic area, but typically the line of thought is that it usually makes no sense to transport a large number of patients, even a short distance, to one hospital and overload that hospital because their resources will be overloaded in terms of radiology, lab, uh, and personnel very quickly. So usually within a region of hospitals, there is a plan whereby the hospitals divide up the, uh, the victims. And uh, one hospital is uh, considered the command center, and it may not be the closest hospital to the incident. Usually the command center is a hospital that's farther away, one that's a little bit more removed, so they have more time to help coordinate where the ambulances go. And then the ambulances are divided up, uh, again, based on what the hospital's capabilities are. We're not going to typically send uh, multiple gunshot victims to a facility that's not a trauma center. Um, but within the hospital's capabilities, the, the patients are divided up so that not one center gets overloaded. What happens if a center does get overloaded? You talked about diversion before. What exactly is that? Diversion is uh, typically when the number of beds in the emergency department is overwhelmed by the number of patients that need to be treated. And, uh, of course, the first thing we would try to do is get those patients upstairs. When the hospital is also full, and typically the the criteria is based on the number of monitored beds because those are our sicker patients. When the hospital's full and the emergency department is full, meaning that all their monitors are used up, it becomes a patient safety issue. And so the hospital typically would go on diversion, meaning that they would close their doors to any more ambulances that would come in. As part of the typical hospital policy, it also will stop elective and direct admissions to the hospital from physician offices, uh, except for those, again, that are significant, such as chest pain, shortness of breath. Typically, if we can stop the influx of ambulances, it will give us some time to uh, stabilize patients, maybe discharge some patients from the emergency department or the inpatient units, and then you can go back off diversion. Does this final decision of diversion come from you, the chairman of the department, or the administration? At my facility, I do have input in it. The emergency physicians are to call me, um, and then I give my input into the, to the hospital administrator who is on duty. And they get their uh, information as well from the nurses that are working in the emergency department, the charge nurse and the nurse manager. So it is a, a, you know, a multi-pronged uh, effort. Most of the time when the nurses are feeling overwhelmed, the physicians are overwhelmed as well. And who decides when you take yourself off of diversion? Uh, there are criteria. So as soon as our monitors are open, we're supposed to come off. Theoretically, the Department of Public Health could come in and uh, monitor us, not necessarily maybe walk through the emergency department, but ask for a chart review. And if it was determined that uh, we had uh, a large number of beds and we were still on diversion, uh, the hospital could be in for uh, fines. If you are not on diversion, do you ever direct an ambulance to go to your hospital or another hospital based on the severity of the patient? Well, we, uh, we do sometimes. Uh, I can tell you in the geographic area that I practice, we try to allow patients to go to the hospital of their choice within reason, within medical safety, meaning that uh, if you've got several hospitals in a small geographic area, their physician may be on staff at a hospital that's further from the hospital that they're closest to. And uh, a decision is typically made over the radio. If they're stable enough to go an extra few minutes, we do feel that that benefit is worth uh, the risk of going, say, a few extra minutes in an ambulance, as long as they have stable vital signs and not actively having chest pain, trouble breathing, et cetera.
Um, because certainly to have them go to a different hospital where they have no records and no physician that they know uh, doesn't serve anybody right if they could have been fine just going an extra th three or four minutes to another facility. And then on the flip side, certain hospitals have higher capabilities, such as a chest pain center or a trauma center. So they may go past a hospital to come to that higher level of care center, depending on the condition. And again, depending on what the rules and regulations have been set up for that particular region. So in the stable patient, the rule of taking the patient to the closest hospital no longer applies. That's correct in, in the geographic region that I, that I work in. I want to thank Dr. Bill Maloney, who has been our guest discussing current issues in emergency care. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.